Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, we have a great show today discussing A Pair of Miracles, a story of autism, faith, and determined parenting. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, an estimated 1 in 68 children has been identified with an autism spectrum disorder. And sharing her story today with us and her miracles is Arthur Carla Atkins, the mother of five, including twin sons with autism. And she has a bachelor's degree in special education and a doctorate in Christian education from Kingsway Theological Seminary. She has nearly four decades of teaching experience and has also served in ministry for more than 30 years and is co-minister at Christian Fellowship Church in North Manchester, Indiana, with her husband, Eddie. She's also a popular speaker at conferences and retreats. So we just want to give you a big, huge welcome. Carla, how are you today? I'm great. How are you in 2018? (laughs) <laughs> so far, so good. As a matter of fact, um, I just took our family. We went and saw The Greatest Showman, and they were asking me, Mom, what do you think of the movie? And I was like, it's the greatest movie of 2018. So we can keep thinking <laughs> every yeah. day at the beginning. Yeah. Well, before we get too far into our show, mm-hmm. you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. Lisa is off in Portland. Her son is now a senior pastor there in Portland, Oregon. And so she she literally had an entire group of five grandchildren pulled away from her to another state when they lived just a couple miles from her house. So she's, huh? she's grieving that part of her life. Right. <laughs> and we just want to rally you together and um, do remarkable things, and uh, we have resources for you um, on toginet.com. And let's get back to talking with Carla. Carla, in addition to A Pair of Miracles, this amazing book that you wrote, A Story of Autism, Faith, and Determined Parenting, you also have four other books. And the one that makes me laugh is The Pastor's Wife Wears Biker Boots. So you'll you'll also have to tell us a little bit more about that. But we're excited to hear your story and hear from you. And first of all, we know you have five children. So how did your family come together? Tell us a little bit about the history there. Well, we're definitely some alphabet soup around here. Um, <laughs> when I married my husband, he already had a daughter and um, Melissa. And then we had... Um, we had two boys of our own. They were five years apart. And the way we got introduced to the idea of adoption was that because I was having trouble getting uh, pregnant with my second son, we thought we would look into foster care because we didn't know, you know, maybe that was the direction the Lord wanted us to go in growing our family. And, of course, as soon as we got our first foster child, I got pregnant. <laughs> but um, as we continued foster care, uh, we uh, 
took in a little baby, and we had him from the time he was born. I mean, I picked him up at the hospital, a little five-pound, six-ounce baby, and raised him for 11 months, and it broke my heart so bad that I didn't think I could do that again. So we started looking into adoption, and we actually looked into adopting him because they were taking so long to place him in an adoptive home. Uh, but the agency we were with did not adopt to childless couples. Or it only adopted to childless couples, excuse me. And we lost him at 11 months to a wonderful couple. And he's, I'm sure he's had a wonderful, wonderful life. He went to a very lovely young childless couple. But, oh, it just tore me up. Mm. And about three months after that, we got the phone call about the twins. And... That's how we came together, and it had wow. it turned our life upside down and inside out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been worth every step of the journey. Mm. So you you were able to adopt the twins as infants, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't adopt them as infants, but we got them as infants, and they were in the foster care system. But we at eighteen months, we were able to adopt them. Mm-hmm. So we had them from birth. And they were preemies. They were uh, little preemie babies. Isaiah came home first, and then Isaac came home a month later. Really teeny tiny little guys, four pounds and a few ounces. And they're six foot tall and 200 pounds now. So wow. um, they they grew very well. God truly blessed them. Wow. Okay, so you get these twins home, and you already have other children in the pack. And at what point, uh, you know, it used to be that autism, you would only hear of it, you know, a few and far between. And now um, you have to be living under a rock because it seems like anywhere in your community and your group of, of friends, you know, someone has an autistic you know, child, or they're just discovering something with some form in the spectrum of autism. So at what point did you know, what clued you in to, hey, something might be different here? I knew that they were at risk. And yes, autism, you know, when I grew up, I didn't know anybody with autism. I had never been around anyone with autism. And the only thing I knew about autism was Rain Man, which means I didn't know anything at all. And because that is not Autism, autism is different in every person that has the diagnosis of autism. And we knew that they were at risk because of of their family background. We knew they'd be at risk for having maybe a cognitive disability. But they also were fetal alcohol babies. So we knew right away that something wasn't right in their way that they processed um, their nervous system processed emotions because they were very difficult to calm. They screamed constantly. They never stopped screaming. I would say the first four years of their life, it was just constant screaming. And it was like having colic for four years for them. Their anxiety was so high and they weren't able to calm themselves. And I knew by the time they were three, I didn't know what autism really was then, but I knew there was something very strange because they didn't act just like little guys that 
were slow, and they were developmentally delayed quite a bit. They were severely developmentally delayed, actually. But they just didn't calm, and they didn't act like other kids. They didn't play with toys. They didn't interact with anyone. They didn't play imaginatively. They didn't know what to do with the toy. And they didn't, like if I gave them a baby, a, a baby, a doll, we call them babies, uh, a doll baby, they didn't know what to do with it. You know, and most, you know, by the time you're two, most children, typical children will, you know, cuddle the baby or talk to it or pretend to feed it or something. They knew not, they didn't, they didn't know how to do anything like that. And they certainly didn't play with toys imaginatively. They would just throw them or suck on them or, um, throw them and suck on them. And they bit each other constantly. They were constantly biting each other because they didn't have speech. They were nonverbal. They didn't speak for about the first seven years of their life. Mm. And they weren't, they didn't potty train until they were about eight years old. But finally at the age of four, I, I saw, I rigorously saw a diagnosis. So the first time I took them to the doctor, I went to a developmental pediatrician. He told me I just wasn't spending enough one-on-one time with them, that they needed more time with me. And I had raised other children. I knew that, including foster children, and I knew that that wasn't the issue. Plus, I was at that time, I was homeschooling my other children and and stayed home with them. Mm. So he sent me to a developmental psychologist, psychiatrist, and she diagnosed them with, she is the one who diagnosed them with autism. So that same doctor that told me I wasn't spending enough time with them one-on-one, when he found out about the diagnosis, he called me and told me that I needed to give one of them up because I could not possibly raise two severely autistic children. Oh, and, yeah, wow. he was a real winner. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, he just, you know, but in his defense back then, autism, it wasn't as prevalent. You did not see that diagnosis, although that is probably the start of the uptick in diagnoses. You know, I was just reading um, this morning in a paper that said it had, oh, let's see, I think it was like from just in in two years, like from 1999 to the year uh, 2002. Here it is. I'm going to look here. Uh, autism rose 100, from the year 2002 to 2010. Autism rose 120 percent increase. It went from one in 150 to one in 68, and that's crazy and if it keeps going at this rate you know by the year 2030 it's going to be one and two Mm -hmm. and we need to figure out what is going on you know why are our kids so sick why what is going on with their brains that they're not you know um developing the way that they they need to develop and autism you know is a very wide wide stroke my boys went from having very severe autism symptoms to they are considered mildly autistic now. But they're also cognitively delayed, but they're amazing. And that's why I called the book A Pair of Miracles because they 
live with us. We have guardianship of them. They're 22 years old now. They'll be 23 next month. They keep reminding me. And they they function at about an eight-year-old level as far as um, their intellectual abilities. But they have part-time jobs that they go to in the mornings. And Isaac works at a fine restaurant, and he helps them with the uh, – I don't – I've never worked in a fine restaurant, so I don't know for hey, sure. Carla, but. Carla I'm going to have you yeah. hold that thought, and we are going to go into a commercial sure. break. Stay with us and learn more about the amazingness of autism. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokinet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. It's Virgin Network. Have you ever butt-dialed someone accidentally? According to a report, for every 100 calls made to 911 this year, about 40 were dialed unintentionally. Recently, a mother in Canada called police after receiving a nightmarish cell phone call from her daughter, filled with blood-chilling screams and a man shouting murderous threats. Police discovered that the girl was at a movie theater in Victoria. Anticipating the worst, the cops were preparing to descend on the cinema when a dispatcher tried calling the girl's cell phone one last time. The girl answered her phone and explained she was not being attacked by a murderer, but was watching the horror film Cabin in the Woods. What do you call the activity of being impolite in a social situation by looking at your phone instead of paying attention to the person you are with? Fubbing. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We are chatting with author Carla Atkins, who wrote her story, Laced with Humor and Compassion, A Pair of Miracles. It's a heartwarming message of her family journey, her family's journey of raising her two boys, Isaac and Isaiah. And however, the book is more than a moving biography from a mom on the front lines. It is a powerful tool full of practical help for parents, educators, and what I find is so important is just church members working with children who have 
have intellectual disabilities, speech impairments, and other limitations on the autism spectrum. And I know, Carla, even that people are saying, you know, we have to be careful with calling it a disability or an impairment because just like you said, it's just the amazingness of them. And it's just a new norm, you know, for when you're, as you know, raising two boys that are, you know, into their adult life, uh, that you probably don't even see it as disabilities anymore. And, and that's what I find is just so neat and so intriguing how we've been able to kind of have that paradigm shift in our lives in looking at that and then now having to deliver that message and hopefully, you know, our, our listeners, those that are dealing with the same challenge will be able to find a church that welcomes and celebrates all of its members, no matter, you know, their abilities of what their capacity is. And I want to unpack that a little bit more when you were saying that, you know, this is the first time you'd ever even heard of autism besides the Rain Man. And then you have a doctor that's giving you bad, you know, horrific advice. And now within your church, how did you get them to be warm and welcome? I know your, your husband's the pastor, so there's a little bit safe from the top. <laughs> but yeah. to truly celebrate, how did that work for you? When we first started with the twins, it wasn't a warm and fuzzy welcome. Uh, we, um, a lot of people didn't understand why we wanted to adopt, and we were, you know, people really discouraged us from doing it. We were told that we already had a ministry. We didn't need to do this. We, I was going to not have a music career now because I'd be tied down. And my response to that, as far as the music career, was that anybody can be a singer, but only I could be their mom. I was chosen by God to be their mom. And I was, I wanted to fulfill that call, and I've always had a heart for children. So we went from that church situation to my husband got a position on a really large, in a really large church as a, as the youth pastor. We thought, well, maybe we're not cut out for head pastoring. Maybe we need to go back because that's how he started out. He started out as a youth pastor. And he grew a very, very large youth group there. And people just didn't understand it yet. And what really woke me up was it was Christmas. And I start the book this way. It was Christmas, and the kids were all up on the stage to do the Christmas program. But my boys weren't on the stage, and they were about three years old at this time. And they were bringing all the cute little preschoolers out. And they had left, they had made the decision without talking to me to leave them in a room with the janitor and not bring them on the stage. You know, and you know how it is when your kids are little, you dress them up and so cute. And, you you know, we bought new shoes for them and new outfits, and which was really a dumb thing to do for a child with autism, but we didn't have the diagnosis yet. We didn't, you know, understand all their sensory problems at that time. And when I, so I got up and I walked out and went to find them. My friend Joe at that time was a woman who had just stepped up out of the church to help me on a day-to-day basis with them. And 
She says, I knew you were going to be mad. She says, calm down, calm down. And I said, where are they? And, you know, my mama bear came out. And when I found them in a room, with they had put them in a room with no toys, nothing, with the janitor, and they were banging their heads against the wall at that time. You know, they were very, they did a lot of self-injury. He didn't know what to do with them. (laughs) He was a nice guy, but he had no clue what to do with them. And I just wish someone had talked to me and said, you know, we're concerned about including them and wondered how, you know, what's the best way we can include them and make this work. So I took them home and I stayed home for a month and was feeling sorry for myself and very upset and angry and hurt. And Mm -hmm. I thought, Lord, you know, this isn't right. And he goes, well, why don't you do something about it? And, I mean, I can remember the moment he said that to me. Um, or, you know, it's not like an audible voice or anything. It's not like God, you know, knocked on my door. It was just a sense that he was impressing on my heart. Well, you need to do something. So I started a program called PALS, and it's an acronym for People Assisting Little Souls. Where Because there were other kids with disabilities in the church. They were different disabilities. One young man had a severe disability that kept him in a wheelchair and he was nonverbal and his mom wanted to go to church with in with her age mates and let him go to church with his age mates you know and and not segregate segregate everybody so we started people assisting little souls and we trained adults we put it in the bulletin we asked the pastor's blessing and we put in the bulletin uh, asking for volunteers to help um, go to Sunday school and go to children's church with kids with disabilities. And then we trained them on the disability and how to intervene, such as when the boys started to escalate in negative behavior, you know, um, they would take them for a walk or offer, remove them from a situation and offer a calming room or calm area, that sort of thing. And that went really, really well. But our pastor, you know, at that time, people just didn't understand. And our pastor asked me in, our, in a meeting, our boys had spilled some paint. <laughs> someone had left some, it was a brand new building, brand new church. And someone had left some paint on some sawhorses. And the boys pulled it down, and it spilled all over the brand new carpet. Mm. And he wasn't too happy about it. And... Um, he asked me, he says, do you think you miss God in adopting the twins? Because I was trying to explain to him, you know, their issues and everything. And it really wasn't their fault that the paint was on sawhorses, you know, and that they had been put in their room with that paint. Any child would have pulled that paint down, regardless of their diagnosis at three years old, could have. And when he said, do you think you miss God, I just... I just looked at him and I said, well, does it matter if I did? I mean, does it matter now? And it just showed me that there was, and that was one of the reasons I wanted to write the book. I think things have improved drastically in 20 years. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to send a message that, you know, the disability community is an unreached people group. There are so many mamas and daddies staying at home from church because they're afraid of how people are going to react to their children because their children do not sit still 
or make noise or do, are not able, you know, and they're not able to sit and enjoy a church service because pe- of people's um, misunderstanding of the situation. And I think of all places in the whole wide world, the church is one place where people should be welcoming and tolerant of those who are different and learn differently and think differently and act differently. And that's really one of the the messages of my book is to embrace, you know, make opportunities for these families. There's so many wonderful things that we as a church, and when I say church, I don't mean a building. I mean as a Christian community can reach out and offer families that need support. I have a friend who has uh, six children, and four of them are on the autism spectrum, and two of them are very severe. And her, she has a son who's 23, I think now, and he's still in diapers and he doesn't talk. And she never, she's never been to church. She would love to go to church. She's a Christian woman, but she's never been able to find a church that she could take her kids to. And she's got another son who's, I think, 10 or 11. And um, and the reason I say I think is because she's a long distance friend. I've met so many. Mm-hmm. friends on the internet that have kids with autism that are isolated and that's why i know this there's so many isolated families and they feel so alone who do they go to you know they have the lord of course and without the lord i mean his grace is amazing without his grace i could not put one foot in front of the other every day but we are god's vessels on this earth we are god's hands on this earth and if God puts someone's a family on your heart <clears throat> that has autism in their family, they're dealing with a lot. They're dealing with so, so much. And not just the mom and dad. The siblings are, too. The siblings are dealing with a lot of isolation, a lot of, you know, shame as far as being, you know, it's just normal to be embarrassed of your little brother and sister, right? But then when your brother and sister, you know, embarrass you in public, then you feel, and then the kids, I mean, it's just very complicated. Then they feel guilty for being embarrassed, and mm-hmm. these families need ministered to. And Johnny and Friends is, is an organization that I highly recommend mm-hmm. to families living with disabilities. They have family retreats, and they have scholarships available. If you ever get a chance to go on a family retreat, go, because... They just are the most nurturing retreats I've ever been on. They they uh, provide the family with a missionary for your child, and your child is assigned a person so that you can go and be with people, um, like-minded parents and caregivers, and you get a break. And while we, and you know the kids are in good hands and having they're having a blast. We've got t- activities for the kids, and you get to interact with other people and get your cup filled, mm-hmm. so that you well, and it's can so important again. too. It's important for your kids to see other like-minded yes. people around them. And well, on that note, we are going to take another commercial break, and once again, we will be right back talking about the.
This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. According to the American Cancer Society, over 240,000 men will develop prostate cancer this year. Many men will also be diagnosed with an enlarged prostate. BPH is a non-cancerous increase in the size and number of cells that make up the prostate. Harvard Medical School recommends exercise for prostate cancer prevention. They state that regular exercise pairs down your risk of developing some deadly problems, including heart disease, stroke, and certain types of cancers. And although few studies have directly assessed the impact of exercise on prostate health, those that have been done have concluded that exercise is beneficial. If you are a man, take the advice of reputable health institutions and make daily exercise your mode of operation. Not only are you defending yourself against most cancers, you're also increasing your quality of life. I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Joining us now, we are chatting with author Carla Atkins, who wrote her story, A Pair of Miracles, a story of autism, faith, and determined parenting. And Carla, we went into the break talking about the that Johnny and Friends has camps available for families, which I, I find fascinating and, and much needed. I am a leader at camp. I've been going every year, I think, for 17 years. Years, all of a sudden, the, those summers add up somehow. But uh, in yeah. the last probably five years, uh, we have a couple of kids who are in the spectrum of autism. And I know one of the, the boys uh, is so sad because he's been going to camp and now he's graduating, so he's not able to go anymore. And you, you, you see that mm-hmm. and you go, Yeah, what's next for them? Because he right. was delighted to, to go. And what was interesting. Mm-hmm. When he went, his dad would go with him for the week. And my heart, you know, it goes out to them thinking our camps are really expensive to think, okay, not only are you paying for your child, but you're also paying for the parent to have to be there to hold a space on the bus and, you know, the cafeteria, et cetera. And I, I just think it was amazing. And you and I were talking during the break how uh, our school systems, you know, we don't leave you know any child behind. And yet you as a special ed teacher, uh, you had some great tips on, you know, we have inclusion, but in a self-contained class as a parent to be more vigilant and 
and requesting things. So tell us, give us some tips for our listeners, because I have uh, quite a few friends actually who, you know, the first time that they brought their child into the first grade class, they just thought, oh, wow, this is chaotic. I cannot leave my child here, especially if you have a child who <laughs> does have to have a diaper change. And you, mm-hmm. you've been doing that caretaking for them and just to hand them over, even though you know socially it's good, but yet your heart is breaking, thinking there is no way they're going to be taken care of. So tell us a little bit more about that as a special ed teacher. And one more question. I'm just going to pack all these questions in. <laughs> you can file okay. them. Are you still, were you able to teach even though you had two children that were special needs at home? Okay. Well, actually what I did, I had homeschooled my children, my other children. And the twins, we did put them in public school at first because I wasn't sure that I could meet their needs. I hadn't yet got my special ed degree. And I didn't know... You know, I didn't want to just assume that I had all the answers and could do this by myself. But it actually, by the time they were in second grade, I could see that the school system was not able to meet their needs as far as, um, and it sounds really weird, but I brought them home so they could learn social skills because they focus so much at the schools, and they have to by law because of No Child Left Behind, um, the schools focus mostly on academics. They don't, they don't have time to get into the, the, you know, the meeting the needs of the social deficits that people with autism have. So as a parent, you know, most, most schools now practice full inclusion, which is wonderful. I'm glad that we've come, you know, the pendulum has swung that direction. Absolutely. But it isn't always the best thing for every child with a disability you know with the most severe severely disabled students they sometimes will have a self-contained classroom but students with 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 maybe um a milder form of autism and maybe some low um reading levels like maybe uh, i'm thinking of some students i know they have autism but they read like on a second grade level Mm -hmm. well when they're sitting in biology class they're not getting, they're not, all they're learning to do is sit through a boring biology class. They're not learning how to function effectively in society. They're just learning to sit there. And, and, and to me, that's not an appropriate education. Mm-hmm. But the special ed teacher and the staff can only do what the parents advocate for. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be vocal and express what you feel your child needs to have to grow um, socially or um, cognitively in school. I think the ideal situation is, you know, um, what uh, the school I'm at right now, and I love my school. Uh, the some of my students, I'm a re- what I, they call a resource teacher for eighth graders. And my students attend at least 15 minutes of general education classroom. And then they come to the resource, what they call the resource room, which is my room. They come to the resource room for help with, with their assignment. But I still see issues where the assignment's not appropriate for their level of functioning. And assignments need to be modified. Assignments need to be adapted more. And 
unless the parent advocates for that, I can't do anything about it. And personally, I don't think a special ed student should ever get an F unless they're just being absolutely, completely lazy. But our schools aren't there yet. Our schools just aren't there yet. And it's still, well, there's a lot of things wrong with schools. I mean, but there's a lot of things right, too. You know, there's at our school, there's caring teachers, and our principals are second to none. They're never in their offices. They're always out among the kids and and interacting with the teachers. And I am really, really blessed that I get to work in that environment. But back to your question, I did homeschool the boys from second grade to ninth grade. And during that time, and that's one of the another purpose of my book, is I put a lot of appendixes in my book to show what we did to help them develop skills, such as waiting, just being able to wait. Waiting is super, super difficult. In fact, that was one of the first sign languages that we taught the boys. I mean, they did um, speak in sign language until we moved to Indiana, and Indiana did not have the programming that Arkansas did. So they lost a lot of their sign language, which was one of my beefs too. But in in defense of them, 20 years ago, the schools just weren't where they are now. Mm. And people are so much more aware of what to do for autism now. And there's so much, so so many more resources out there than there used to be. Mm. And my resource at that time was AOL. You remember, and I could still hear the dial-up, you know, yes, and I would get yeah. on there and, <laughs> and interact with other mamas and, and grandmas and learn, you know, oh, okay, oh, you know, what is sensory processing disorder? What what helps a child to calm down? And I learned so much from that, and that actually spurred me to become a spe- uh, special education teacher mm-hmm. um, because I'm just fascinated with, with helping kids learn. And... The boys went into to high school, but they went into a situation where this high school allowed them to go into the life skills class for half a day where they learned things like cooking and filling out a checkbook, and uh, they took a driver's ed, not the driving part, but just the book part, mm-hmm. so they could learn signs and everything. Now, they don't have their driver's license, but they do drive a golf cart around town because our little town allows golf carts, and... They know the signs, you know, they still needed to know what the signs were and, and how to use those signs and how to signal and that kind of thing. They haven't been able to pass the written part of the driver's license test because of their their IQs are on the lower side. But they keep trying. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing that's them. amazing to me. <laughs> I mean, they just are just, they're incredible people. I just want people to know them yeah. because they, they are... They are inspiring and they're loving and they want to help people and they want to, they're hard, the hardest working people I know mm-hmm. are these boys. And, um, but in high school, then they were in that, then they got to go to vocational school in the afternoon. It was modified program. They did get the same diploma or the same certificate that their peers got, but they got to go through the program and they got to do what their peers did. They just weren't able to do the the workbooks and things like that that on the level of that would qualify them for a diploma or a you know certified yeah. certificate. So well, I know that there's can... so many different spectrums with autism. Yes. But, uh, 
what I find a couple of things that has really opened my eyes up is the show Parenthood. Did you, have you ever watched that? The one where he has Asperger's? Uh, No, I'm not sure. Is that the one on Netflix? Yeah, the one on Netflix, but it, it's it's called Parenthood. It's called Parenthood, and it, it's it's not one that you would you know throw out there that this is a good you know as with all things on Netflix, <laughs> you need yeah. a screening for you know some of the stuff, and it makes me sad because it's such a good show uh, in dealing with Aspergers and just what these parents go through on the uniqueness of having a child that is is struggling and fitting into the school system, etc. But that oh, one, and then there's another oh, one that my my daughter just um, said, mom, you've got to watch this because I was so fascinated with parenthood, Uh, Uh a good doctor on ABC. And once again, he has um, autism, but it's more on the Asperger's spectrum. Yeah. He's a surgeon and it just shows how the EQ Mm -hmm. is off, but obviously the IQ and how focused he is. (laughs) And you go, yeah, what I would want him to be my surgeon if you can look at something and have this you know photographic memory right uh yeah I would want you cutting me open and knowing exactly which vein goes where (laughs) and and so are starting to look at hey this is a uniqueness not everyone is going to be able to have uh you know bedside matters manners not everyone is going to be able to look you in the eye and have this amazing conversation, but what do they have? You know, what, what can we celebrate in what they're bringing to the table and what is God's purpose for them? And how do we unpack that? And and I love how you put that in there, like celebrate them as a church, because I have to Mm. admit there have been times, like I said, at, at camp where you're struggling because it's like, okay, how do we include, you know, in this game and how do we um, have this, this child that's unique um, that, you know, with some of the comments and the conversations, you know, trying to talk with the girls because he's, you know, typical male teenager as well. (laughs) You have, you have your frustrations, but once again, we just keep running out of time. We're going to go on another um, commercial break. So we will be right back talking about a pair of meals. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. 
It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. It's a fact that eating breakfast is extremely important. Many Americans start their day by eating a bagel with cream cheese. They find it satisfying and feel that it's a healthy choice for breakfast. But is that true? Eat This, Not That states that a bagel is shaped like a zero for a reason. It has almost 500 calories with 8 grams of fat and 634 milligrams of sodium. The majority of the 500 calories come from refined carbohydrates with little redeeming nutrition to justify the price tag. A much better choice would be a low-calorie, multi-grain English muffin with two tablespoons of peanut butter for 300 calories. This is satisfying and nutritionally charged. Choose a breakfast that works for you and not against your healthy, light lifestyle. I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back. We have been discussing a book, A Pair of Miracles, a story of autism, faith, and determined parenting with author Carla Atkins. And Carla, just like I said, the show has just been going by way too quickly here. But I want to find out, because we know that there are listeners right now that have Googled this show, and they are sitting there in that you know, place of that, I call it the land in between where you're, you're not quite at the promised land yet. And you're in the the desert for 40 years and you feel like, God, I don't see you anywhere. Would you please, 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 I'm begging you to sustain me, to take my hand. And, you know, you talk about that in your book and I'd highly recommend if you're struggling with this to run and go get this book. And you, you discuss the, the part about what your boys have taught you about God and how your faith has grown just by being their mom. So can you share a, a little bit with our listeners on this, that dark place and how you were able to come out of that dark place? And, and I'm sure it's, it's, it's not like, you know, sometimes we ask that question. It's like, wait, I'm in that dark place today. You know, it's not like, it's just right. this miraculous recovery. We we struggle with it. But what are some tips of how you get out of that land in between? Right. And I don't want to sound trite or cliche, and I don't want to minimize anybody's pain. And I have been there, and, you know, I still go there sometimes because the boys still live with us. We can't – we still live the autism life. We can't be spontaneous. We can't just go out on a date. We haven't since we've had them, and we have to make elaborate arrangements to go anywhere alone as a couple, and it it's we have to make elaborate arrangements to go on vacation. And they go everywhere with us, um, and I'm not complaining. It's just a reality. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that always helped me is to keep praise on my lips, even when I didn't feel like it. Mm. And always believe that God was up to something good. His ways are not our ways. And even, and I would, and I, to this day, I mean, I just said it yesterday. I don't understand you, God, but I trust you. And, and I constantly cried out and I still do. I believe that we can wrestle with God, that he can handle it. 
that when we're angry with him, that when we're frustrated, when we don't understand why the answers aren't coming. You know, I have a friend, you know, my friend that I was telling you about, I don't understand why she has to live the life that she lives with her severely. I can't imagine. She, you know, I think, so when I start to feel sorry for myself, I think of her. Mm-hmm. Um, in her situation, at least I'm not still changing diapers, right? Mm-hmm. So, and she has nobody. Only only people she has is what she's found on the internet. Mm-hmm. Were it not for the Lord, she could not get through each day. And we have to remember that the devil hates us, and that this this life is not just about the flesh and blood struggles that we go through it is a spiritual battle too the devil hates us we're a target he wants us to fail he wants our kids to hurt he wants our kids to fail but god's got our back and we can trust him and we can just go in the bedroom and cry and call out to him he provides a peace that passes all understanding he provides a I, I just can't describe it. There's just like an oil of joy that he, I, that's the only way I can describe it, that he pours on the inside of me. And sp- even when I'm in sorrow, I still have that hope and that, that awareness that God's got my back and he's got me in his arms. He's got me in the palm of his hand. And I just keep, keep believing and keep praying that, you know, like Job, when Job was going through all his things. There's a man called Job in the Bible who lost everything and God restored to him twice as much as he had before after he prayed for his twin, after he prayed for his twins, after he prayed for his friends. <laughs> and, and the thing is, you know, you have to look for those blessings. You have to look for them. They're there. And I, the boys have taught me so much about faith. Their faith is so pure. And when they get into a tight spot or a tough situation and they come to me and say, Mom, will you pray for me? Pray for me. God, help me with this. That just blows my mind. You know, just, I, I just, I can't get over how much they're in tune to how much they need God too. And they even listen for God's voice to impress upon them to do things like I, I write about this in the book. They were coming home one day on their bicycle, one of them, or their moped. They used to have mopeds in. And one of them came home and said, Mom, God tell me, Miss Judy, box is too heavy. I go back and help Miss Judy Aww. carry boxes. I did right. Right, Mom? And I said, yeah, you did. Did she need help? <laughs> yep. Her storage unit need help carrying boxes. I go help her. And they love to help people. And one time we were traveling and we, (laughs) I can't believe, every time I tell people we did this, I'm still in awe. I'm in awe of myself. (laughs) We took a road trip from Indiana in the car with, because our, um, my mother-in-law lives with us who has dementia. And we took the twins and her in the car not a bus, not a van, in a car. We drove all the way to the state of Washington oh, from wow. Indiana. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful trip. If you ever get to do a northern United States trip, oh, my goodness, it is so gorgeous up there. And so 
Nothing around, by the way, on Highway 94. Nothing is there. And we blew a tire. And uh, it didn't even hardly, we just heard this sound. And I'm like, did we just, what just happened? He goes, I think we blew a tire. And it didn't even lock the car. And uh, Isaiah says, Mom, I see Angel hold car still. Uh, now, I don't know if he saw an angel. I don't know for sure, but I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> I said, you know what, Isaiah? I believe it because that car did not move. You know, when, I don't know if you've ever been in a vehicle that blew a tire when you're going fast because, you know, we were on a highway, empty highway, nothing, you know, probably going at least 60. I, I, I imagine we were probably going 70 because up there in those long roads, they you can go a little higher speed limit. And a car barely moved. So I have no doubt that they hear from God, that they have spiritual eyes that are much more open than my own. And I, I say in the book that in working with people with disabilities, I have met spiritual giants because their faith is so pure and so perfectly childlike. Just as Jesus said that we're to come to him. You know, they don't, they don't reason it out. They don't, my boys don't have the high functioning form of autism because they are also intellectually disabled. So they have the, the persistent behaviors and they, they have amazing splinter skills. What we call splinter skills. They can memorize a parking lot. You know, they know what kind of cars where, when we went to the great big church, they knew where every car was supposed to be parked in that parking lot because people tend to park kind of the same place. And if someone wasn't there, they knew who it was. They knew who belonged to which car. Also, they would they they know how to get places I can't remember how to get to. Yeah. And we live out in the country. We live rural. So everywhere, you know, when we go somewhere, there's just a lot of twists and turns and things that I can't remember. They remember. Uh-huh. And... and- do they have like you know just as twins a lot of times you have your own language i just think it's so cool that they have each other that they're in it with mm-hmm. each other that god created you know them to have that partnership do you see that in the way that they talk to each other and the way they interact no because they were nonverbal. they mm-hmm. did not speak for for seven years and it was when we got a dog that, they, that their speech came out. Uh, pets and animals are amazing for kids with autism. And when we got that little dog, I don't know what, how, why, but it just brought, brought their speech out. Uh, maybe it was just the timing. You know, it could just be that they were ready to start speaking. I don't know. And, but they, they did. So if your child is still seven and still not speaking, don't give up. Don't, don't give up. Keep working that speech therapy. Keep working that sign language. The first thing a child, if you have a little one that you believe that's, you know, not speaking yet, start the sign language. Start it right away. Start Mm -hmm. communicating with pictures and sign language. And that will open the language part of their brain up so that they can start to communicate. Because a lot of the bad behavior, the negative, I shouldn't say bad behavior, negative behaviors that you see are frustration behaviors because they can't communicate yeah their frustration so not all of it but some of it is is that and that that will cut down on some of it but um 
as far as if you're in that dark place, you know what? God can handle it. Tell him about it mm-hmm. and, and wrestle with God. I've wrestled with God and I continue to wrestle with God because life doesn't stop. Life isn't, you know, our whole life is in autism. We have other things that we, that we have gone through and dealt with. And, and I have a lot of questions for God <laughs> when I get to heaven, he and I are going to have a heart to heart, but his ways just are not our ways. And I, not that I don't have a heart to heart with him now, but you know what I mean? Where, where you can actually see his face Yeah, and, Take that time for yourself. That self-care is so important. You've got to take time to read your Bible. And I, in this day and age, reading your Bible, I would say, is probably the most important thing you can do all day long. That is because that's how you will recognize God's voice when he speaks to you. Mm-hmm. Because those are his words. So, so read your Bible. Pray. Take time to pray. Even, you know, I used to just go in the bathroom and sit on the toilet and talk to God. I mean, with the, with the lid down. I don't, oh, that didn't sound right. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> <Damn>, that works. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or, you know, I have my best talks with God sometimes in the shower or, you know, in the bathtub. Take mm-hmm. time to take a bath. Those kids will survive for 15 minutes yeah. without, you know, even if they're banging on the door. You know, mine would lay on the floor and scream at the door. But yeah, I would every, just go or you, all of a sudden you see those little fingers that, that come under. Yeah. The door. And once again, Carla, we are done with our show. Thank you so much for being a part of our show today. And oh, I had so much fun. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.